Ryan Serhan, shout out to you. Real Estate Addicts, we're going to have you on this podcast. I want to be a guest. That's my number two goal. First, we're going to get on Joe Rogan. Then we're going to get Ryan Serhan here. So we're going to tag you up in this all over the place. I'm going to hunt you and find you, and you're going to hire me, and you're going to absorb me into your matrix. I love Joe Rogan. You're a Joe Rogan guy. I want to get on Joe Rogan. I am. We he recording? Is. You're Joe on Rogan. Real Estate Addicts. That's what? a step above Joe Rogan. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to get Real Estate Addicts on Joe Rogan. That's my goal. Joe yeah. Rogan would be lucky enough to get on the Real Estate Addicts. I think the question is, could you could you talk to somebody for three hours straight? Because that's that's He does three-hour podcasts? Three, every podcast is three hours. How do you win yeah. the housing lottery for the affordable units? Mike, you, you've, had, you've hosted a number of such lotteries recently. Right, right. So um, there's kind of two ways. The most prevalent way is to, well, there's actually two categories, I guess. There's the category for Chelsea residents or for local residents, and then there's sort of the outside pool as well. So usually we get most of our applicants that are local from that city. And then once the applications are in, I think they run for about, what, 30 days, 60 days? The real answer is call Jeff Bowen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then, the, then the lotteries run at the end of that time period. Yep. If you're a notary public, do you get preferential treatment in the lottery? Uh, no preferential treatment, no. except if you're a resident of the town the lottery's held in. Oh, Chelsea, Chelsea residents get preferential. The first round, mm-hmm. the last four units that Mike sold at 25 Second Street went to Chelsea residents. Huh. Correct. So th- these six units that we have out of the 30, and we're talking about 157 and 163 Chestnut for everyone out there for context. Mm-hmm. It's a 30-unit development that Broadway Capital, Mike Vano is building, developing. I am brokering the property. And there are six affordable units underneath these inclusionary zoning ordinance of the city of Chelsea. The city of Chelsea inclusionary zoning ordinance is 15%. But Mike, in order to get this approved, because it needed a variance for a number of parkings. Well, because he's got a big heart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, he does. He's actually he one of the biggest. 20%? Parkings. What did we do? We did 20%. So six affordables out of the yeah. 30 units. Boston is quickly becoming like 13 and a half is uh, the IDP policy, but it's really like unscripted. Yeah. You, the unspoken you, you rules. You should probably do higher. 20 if uh, you have a big project and you want it uh, approved. Just we're talking about affordable, but what does that actually mean? So the term well, AMI comes yeah. out. So that's how you qualify. Average medium income. Yeah. So one person needs 78,300 income or under to qualify for this property. Affordable units are two bedroom, two baths, about a thousand square feet to 1500 square feet. It doesn't go by square footage. It goes by income. So they're $260,000 to get a brand new condo versus 550,000 to 750,000. It can never be rented. You have to qualify. You can't have assets more than $75,000 at all. And it's drawn out of a hat. So basically, if someone gets picked, they get to purchase a condo, but they can never resell it in perpetuity. It's deed restricted in perpetuity. Boston, well, they can resell it. What? They, they can't, can't go. No, in no, they can't. Well, the word they is, can resell they it. can never resell it market rate. I heard a Correct. good story. Recently, a buddy of mine said that he had a buyer who backed out because they figured out that they couldn't resell it for a shit ton of mar- money at market value later. And it's like, this is, are you kidding me? You're going to cap my profits? Um, <laughs> anyway. But Boston lets you buy them out after 30 years. 30 years. Chelsea, right. never. <clears throat> it's oh, always it's a perpetuity. perpetuity. Yeah. yeah Chelsea's like, deed restricted in perpetuity. For, I thought nothing could be forever. I thought the highest you could go yeah. was 99 years. Also, oh. not not to be a dick, but I think it's area median income, right? Because okay. if it's average median, it is. that's, a, that's area the median. same that's two correct. words twice. I believe that's right. Yeah, good catch. Average and me. 
not average wrong, area. Right? Well, it, def- it depends on the area. No. And then there's different thresholds, the different percentages. No, it doesn't average and median mean the same thing? That's what she said. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. All right. Let's do like a reverb, like a backup uh, sound effect here and um, do some introductions. Yeah. Who are we talking to today? Guys, introduce yourselves. I'm Mike Fano, Broadway Capital, based out of Chelsea, Mass. We're um, a uh, property management acquisition and uh, construction firm. We've been in business for about 15 years now. And, um, you know, our core business is buy and hold, as we kind of discussed. Yeah, that's pretty. That's my background. Awesome. Jeff, aside from supporting the Chelsea record and keeping our East Boston Times free press in business, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Jeffrey James Bowen, 48 years old, born and raised in East Boston, grew up in Eastie, attended St. Rose and Chelsea to 11 years old, then got bounced to the South Shore, lived in uh, They kicked you out of school? Yeah, actually. You left on your own or they uh, just they asked you to leave? They've asked me to leave several schools. Yeah, that's sense. a yeah. different story. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about that some other time. Maybe. Sure. Yeah, so ended up in Quincy, Hanover, Cohasset, Hingham, Sharon, California, and back into Chelsea. And I spent the last 16 years of my life in Chelsea. So started as a real estate agent, 2001, at DeWolf in Canton. Got my license because my brother got his license. Worked there, took six months to sell my first house. My brother opened his own company, Jonathan Bowen Real Estate in Hyde Park, 2001 to 2004. I learned as much as I could with him, and families are tough to work for. So bounced over to Zip Realty, RIP, for one transaction. Yeah. Sold the $500,000 house, got 27.5% commission after fees, and said, I got to leave this. So I bounced to realestate.com. Realestate.com was owned by IAC, Rupert Murdoch's conglomerate, Ticketmaster. That corporation at that time, he was buying every single service magic. Went to realestate.com, was number one in sales. That company too, that imploded. It was sold for only one four million dollars. Do you think there's a correlation between your participation in these companies and their <laughs> bankruptcy? Absolutely. <laughs> because I said to the owners of realestate.com at the yearly meeting, if I'm number one in transactions and I have 18 and I'm broke, this ship is going down. Right. They said, Oh no, it's gonna be fine. So Evan Russell was the GM. Uh, he got first it was Jack Andrellos, but love Jack, but he had an altercation that mm-hmm. was uh what's it called? Personal inside of, of a business. So he left. Evan Russell comes in. Evan Russell was from Fox, New Jersey, that Fox uh, conglomerate. Anyways, Evan Russell comes in and then uh, I'm there at realestate.com 18 so, months. So you were kind of part of the dot-com boss. Yeah. The transition like, from- Sort of like petfood.com. Well, there's a lot out there. I mean, yeah. do you see parallels to Compass? I mean, how they've kind of tried to dominate Ooh, the, the oh, industry. Man, you're going there. Man, Third rail. Let's it. touch it. Stock's down 78% year over year. Redfin down 84%. Zillow down 72%. If I was Google, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, shout out to you. But if you buy that at 89% discount, at $3 a share, the market cap's around a billion for each. You could buy right now Realogy for a billion, which owns Century 21. It owns Century 21 Coal Banker and Better Homes and Gardens. A billion dollars to buy that company. If you're Amazon, you're sitting on cash, Apple, Google, you're going to buy Redfin, Zillow, Realogy, and then you're going to own the universe. Interesting. So that's what huh. I would and then do. You'll, and then you'll run into antitrust. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So Compass but, has like two and a half months left of cash. Yeah. Something to that effect. Compass they really? I, mean, I, I threw it, it might out. not be that, but it's not a lot of cash. I, I threw it out there just to parallel the fact that they were trying to take over everything like realestate.com and uh, Rupert Murdoch stuff. Yeah. Zip Realty and realestate.com imploded and so will Compass. These big real estate firms have too much overhead to survive and paying brokerages too much. 
they offered me like 50 grand to join Compass. They paid all the top brokers offering them cash to join and they got sued. We all know about those lawsuits. Compass bought everyone. I'd like to take a quick break to thank our sponsor, First Boston Capital Partners. David Grossman is a great local lender. If you have a project that you're looking to finance, feel free to reach out to us. We can put you in touch with him. They're fast. They're flexible. They have a lot of options available, both on the debt and equity side. So any financing needs, feel free to reach out. And back to our episode. You know, I think it's almost like, um, remember when Uber rides to the airport costs like four and a half dollars and it was like incredible for the consumer and everyone's like, how is this sustainable? I think when Compass first started and they were offering these like six figure signing bonuses and insane splits to their agents, like sure, I'll come over. But like in the long term, you can't charge four and a half dollars for a ride to Logan Airport and stay in business. And I think that they're sort of learning that. Yeah. The shareholders and the the cheap money of what, six months ago was funding that and now we're- in yeah. different times. And now you need to make a profit. But anyway, All right. well, yeah. wow, I've had a lot of caffeine today. Yeah. Well, Uber's still not making a profit. Are they? No, Uber Uber is in trouble still, right? Yeah. I have a conflict of interest. My sister works at Uber. Oh, you have to recuse, your, recuse yourself. Yeah. Okay. Recuse. Well, we'll move on. Then. Have a lift. Right. Let's talk about lift. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could, we could just do Boober, boobs on demand. Yeah. <laughs> but all I can say is that I was first and foremost into having Uber deliver me food from a restaurant before Uber Eats came out. I would have Billy T's from Revere, Chinese delivered to me in Chelsea and be like, text the Uber driver, pick up my food, I'll give you max tip. And so I was having food. And also I was the first and also sending 60 certificates, smoke certificates, keys by Uber, which they now have Uber courier. So because it was tracked. You think I'm going to run across town to get a 60 in Brookline for closing in Chelsea? For a big three hour track? Well, I'll do anything anywhere for yeah. a big sale, but I got, yeah. I, I've been a broker for You're 21 years. Guy. I try to do yeah. a lot of nothing these days for the, you know, <laughs> maximize time, value, money. What I'm saying, the least I do, the, the more I can do. But the bigger the sale, the more Sirhant comes I, out of I uh, Jeff here. I get you. So Mike- Ryan you- Sirhant, shout out to you. Real Estate Addicts, we're going to have you on this podcast. I want to be a guest. That's my number two goal. First, we're going to get on Joe Rogan. Then we're going to get Ryan Serhan here. So we're going to tag you up in this all over the place. I'm going to hunt you and find you. And you're going to hire me. And you're going to absorb me into your matrix. And that's it. Careful. Your business may go under if Jeff, no, this is bad. Uh, oh my gosh. Mike, you, you took down a really cool project. It was a nursing home. I looked at it before you bought it. And it was one of these puzzles that like, I couldn't put the pieces together, but you seem to have uh, taken the skin off the ball there. So uh, congrats and tell us about that one. Yeah. So 133 Salem in Revere. Is this yeah. the one you're referring to? This was this was the like nursing home that you did an adaptive reuse? The one in Chelsea? Or? Yeah, Chelsea. So we actually are doing two adaptive reuses. So yeah. we, the first one was um, at 932 Broadway. And what we were able to do there was take a uh, former nursing home that uh, went out of business. I think it was out of business for about 60 days when we purchased it. And we converted into 33 residential units in an office space. And that's currently the home of Broadway Capital. Oh, cool. So we went through the zoning process and the city in that specific situation was uh, in support of the project. So it made things a little bit easier. Anytime the city gets behind a project, it makes the, uh, the approval process just go a little bit quicker and smoother. So we did do six affordable units out of the 30 units, which is 20% at that specific uh, project. Those units were sold 
there was, I think, two two bed, two one bedrooms and four two bedrooms, and those were sold at one ninety nine and the two fifty price point. Five hundred foot, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, at least uh, five forty average a foot. That's yeah, great. it was the sellout, which was which was which was I think the record for Chelsea. It was. Yeah, time. that was the problem with my pro forma. I didn't see that. Yeah, five forty. Speaking of which, that's where I met Mike Vano. Mike's trying to go for two units with Peter Vanko, our friend, architect for Cherry Street, a two unit. I see Mike. And I say, hear his name. I, I see him all the time in the, you know, the Suffolk registry and in the, in the Chelsea record of Mike Vano's buying, Mike Vano's buying. I say, hey, Mike, I've never met you. Why haven't I met you in the zoning meeting for this little two unit? He's like, because I don't sell. I only buy. I've been investing for 15 years, but I've been like in Chelsea for 17 years. He's like, I never sell. But if you have something for me, let me know. And he, this is how, this is how he, he does business. He meets someone and then he finds a deal later through them. He's really good at that. So I said, I have, there's an off-market nursing home at uh, 932 Broadway. You hear about it? He goes, no. He says, call me. Well, I had an offer in on the property with another developer that I couldn't call him. So he calls another agent, he makes an offer, and he gets the deal. So, you know, that's how it went down. I could not call him mm-hmm. because of conflict. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, even though I knew he was the right guy for the right race, for the right... But I stood by my contract. Yeah, and it was a tricky project because we had to buy the property from a company that was actually out of Michigan. So there was a lot of back and forth as far as they didn't want to give zoning contingencies and whatnot. So structurally, too, it's a challenging design to, uh, you know, you got these two bearing walls mm-hmm. for the corridor and they're sort of set up like hotel rooms in large part. And now you're going to turn them into condos that have generous floor plans. And you did it, not always easy cutting through these concrete CMU walls and, you know, different challenges that go along with an adaptive reuse project. And Peter Vanko was great um, through the process. He was the lead architect. So he took us through that and uh, it wasn't his first adaptive reuse. So he had some experience doing those similar projects. And I think that was very helpful. Do you prefer adaptive reuse over ground up? It really depends on the situation. But one thing that's really nice about adaptive reuse is you don't have to get out of the ground in most cases. And there can be a lot of unknowns when you're looking at soil contamination and the different type of building soil that you need. Ground improvements. Ground improvements, exactly. Retaining Um, walls? Retaining walls, ram aggregated pairs, et cetera. Right. Those are challenges through geotech studies and whatnot, where with an adaptive reuse, Mm -hmm. you're already one step ahead because the building let's say the shell of the buildings in place. Do you guys wish you saved the bank in Lynn? We're changing gears here. Dan and Ray are doing a really cool apartment building in Lynn. I was always about trying to save the foundation, but the, the challenge is that because of the new height, there's add, all this added weight. And so you have to do ground improvements. You have to- There would have been a big challenge. It was a cool yeah, building. The, the foundation the bank was a cool building. building. It was a very cool building. I mean, yeah. the problem is the entire middle of the building was hollow. So the amount of effort it would have taken to to structurally support the new building that we're trying to put in would be a disaster. Jesse watched the Instagram. She's like, "That's such a nice building they are taking down." I'm like Jesse, don't have a, come on. Yeah, but everybody She'll said be out that. with a picket. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everybody everybody yeah. said that, and and it was a good building. It was yeah. a nice building and it for the time. Yeah. Right? How, how many did. units are in that building? Thirty. You're building it now. Yeah. Well. About to. Okay. That's exciting. <laughs> well, Procopio really put Lynn on the map, let's yeah. face it, by doing the uh, two projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Caldwell downtown. And, the mo- and Mosaic. The yeah. Mosaic. But what was the other one? Near Saugus Border in the woods. He won an awards, Prism Awards for it. Iron- oh, he's Ironwood. Ironwood. Yeah, Ironwood. That is he the still most owns beautiful. that one. I'm a huge fan. I've never met him. 
But like, if you had him on, he's been on the podcast. I know. Twice. I've never yeah. met him. I, never, I if I decide to move to, a he's building. an avid listener, so you can uh, send your message out just like the Sirhan. Yep. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, listen. Let's get. It. Yeah. Here's. You have a minute. All right. We're gonna get a round table now with That'd all the best people. And we're going to do Ryan Serhant, Joe Rogan, Mike Procopio, <laughs> all of us, because that's, we're here. I'm my idea. I'm definitely in. And we're going to film it with Caleb over there at Boston Real Estate Photo. Shout out to him. He's the man. He does all of our work. He shot 932 Broadway. He's shooting the church updates. He does. I, I assigned a retainer. Like usually you don't sign retainers with your photographer. Like, no, I want to pay you in advance for your work. So thank you, Caleb. BostonREphoto.com. All right. all right great look at that shout out so yeah we're excited about that and, and i guess that goes back to the question of so i guess it depends on the building and the site and and the specifics but you don't really have like it really seem to have a preference of new construction versus reuse well we like the adaptive reuse i think that is our go-to right now kind of bread and um butter. and i think it's one of the one of the reasons because of the elevated construction costs that we're seeing mm -hmm. right now yeah. so because of the success that we had at our adaptive reuse in Chelsea at 932 Broadway, we actually purchased another nursing home in Revere um, at 133 Salem Street, which we were able to zone for 72 units. And that's actually starting construction next month. Nice. Wow. They tend to be a little bit more approvable or more palatable to the uh, community at large when you're pitching uh, like a reuse of a structure. So yeah, the masses are kind of already there, so they kind of know yeah. it's not, you yeah. know, it's, you know, I can I can see an argument that it's more uh, environmentally friendly, you know. And we did add actually a di an additional level onto mm -hmm. this. So we did we had seventeen extra, which brought us another seventeen units. Oh, that's great. There was some pushback from the neighbors because of the additional height. Yeah, but. Um, so the first nursing home was just existing, nothing new added above this uh, one. No, other is, than a roof deck, but nothing, yeah. not not another level added. No story. That's the rub on adaptive reuse, though. Like, you don't need to do foundations. You don't need to um, worry about groundwater unless you're going to really add a lot of weight to the existing foundation. It's designed to support four-story building, and now you're going to put two more on it. Those foundations are likely inadequate. That was our problem. And now you're going to need to, you know, add supplemental... Yeah. column footings underpinning etc i'd argue our foundation was fine i think it was the soils underneath you could have landed that thing was a jet carrier yeah yeah ray and i were ray and i were joking that we we someone could have literally been in the vault while they were taking the building down and they'd be fine I know. oh the the hammer to take that thing out it was all rebar wow it was a bomb shelter literally um but yeah, so so you I feel like you guys won on the demolition there. Like usually I pay for demo and I'm like 36 minutes later the entire building's gone. I'm like, could you have just dragged it out a little bit? Like made me feel like I'm getting something for my money. Fake it. Yeah. But like taking down the rebar in the vault and watching that for three days, I was like, that was cool. You it won. You got one for the it good was guys. Fair. I got it, was, <laughs> it was win win. So so Mike, are, are you still buying and holding? Or are you kind of has that been kind of on hold while you've been doing these no, I mean, it's been going simultaneously. Okay. So, you know, our core business, which is the buy and hold, as I mentioned, that's been progressing as normal. We actually are closing on a 16 unit brick building in Chelsea uh, next month. Are most of your acquisitions on the hold side kind of not adaptive reuse, but value add? They're all value all add. All value add. Yeah. So we'll do, for example, on this one, I think we have a capital improvement budget of about 300000 where we'll go in, do new kitchens, bathrooms, you know, cosmetics, cosmetics, so. and then um, 
usually the goal with this is to refinance within you know two to three years. And so that's a big piece of our business where most of our loans are on five-year fixed term rates. And let's say every five years, we'll be refinancing a grouping of buildings. So we'll go out and source debt. And that's really a key piece to our business is being able to have volume where when you go out for debt, banks or lenders will be very competitive. Mm-hmm. If you go with one three family right now, yeah, you may get you know, a decent rate, but if you can bundle 20 to 30 units together uh, and go source debt, that's So you're doing like different. portfolio type loans? Yeah. Even though the, the assets are owned by different entities, yeah. you know, if one lender comes and they know there's one, one controller or one owner, even though the entities are separate, they're willing to get more aggressive. Nice. And you can probably take money out as well. Is we can take goal? money out as well. Yeah, that's usually the the goal. Yeah, do like a cash uh, out. I'm sure you have such a strong basis and have bought for so many years that you're absolutely fine. But I can see that strategy being more difficult to employ in today's interest rate environment. Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it, it's definitely more challenging in today's market just because of the, the higher interest rates. But um for example, on the property that we're closing on next month, which is a buy and hold, we got 4.5%. That's great. Which is great. It's really good. Um, and it just happens to be that when we go out to a pool of lenders, there are usually lenders that uh, will be more aggressive for usually internal reasons to the bank. For example, a bank's going to be bought or they want to increase their debt because they're getting ready for a buyout. Uh, in those situations, the bank will um, be more aggressive on these type of loans. Now, are you going out to these lenders on your own? Are you hiring debt brokers? We do a little bit of both. So for example, a portfolio that we refinanced last year, which was a larger, it was a $24 million portfolio. We went out to a number of lenders. We went even to HUD to look at some different loans, but the the lender that had the loan originally came back with the best product. And we actually get 2.8% on a five-year fixed uh, term. Which yeah. was great, and it was, uh, it was a sixteen million dollar loan, and the, the bank, uh, which Brookline Bank, they didn't want to lose the loan, so they, so awesome. they got very aggressive. Nice. So there is power in you know economies of scale and, and yeah. volume when you go to these different lenders. Cool. Yeah. For your I, sorry, go ahead, Ray. Oh, I was going to say. So how have you seen sort of Chelsea? And uh, question for both of you guys: how, how have you seen Chelsea? Sort of is it like East Boston? Is it is it accelerating? Is the growth accelerating there? Because East Boston has sort of been one of those areas where it was in play, out of play. Now it seems like it's on that trajectory. It's there. Oh, it's very it's it's been in play. Yeah. But you know, do you see that kind of continuing up the coast as the p- people push out of the cities? I, I think there's still opportunity in Chelsea and room for more growth. I mean, I think that uh, especially as there's more and more of these condo developments, owner-occupied units, I think that really changes the demographic of the city. And gives a little more balance. Chelsea being eighty percent rentals as it stands today, there's room for improvement. I think over time. I would say that ten years ago, in East Boston, I was trying to sell multifamilies for one hundred eighty thousand on my YouTube channel with my flip phone that TD Bank gave me for free before cell phones had cameras. And I plug it. It took me four hours to upload it. I have a ten minute video on my YouTube channel, <clears throat> YouTube.com/slash JeffyBo1. One hundred eighty thousand. I had. I must have had like 300 people saying, God bless you. Kazoom tight. Anyways, uh, whatever. So yeah, East Boston, Chelsea, t- the last 10 years, no one would touch East Boston when I had lots, land, properties. Now East Boston's a billion to a billion and a half years in sales. 
Chelsea's about 150 million, 125 million. Chelsea's two square miles in diameter, the population of 55,000. East Boston is five square miles in diameter, population of 190,000. So Southie is even bigger than that. The Seaport District alone, just for Suffolk Downs' sake, versus the Seaport. Seaport's 23 acres of land and how, how many paid a trillion dollars in development. Suffolk Downs is 123 acres of land in East Boston, a little bit in Revere, 40 acres of green space. So look at Assembly Row 3, Station Landing, these big developments that you're seeing. East Boston only goes up because of blue line access, land values, where they are. East Boston's hovering at 700 a square foot for new construction sellout right now. Chelsea's hovering 550 to 600. But Boston, let's say, seaports, 2,000 to 10,000, South End, Cambridge, 1,000, <coughs> Somerville, uh, Union Square, Davis Square, 1,000. So Chelsea is the cheapest on the block. Charlestown is the neighbor. That's 1,000 a foot. East Boston, 700. Where are people going to start being able to afford? With $50,000 down payment assistance programs from mass housing right now for first-time home buyers, plus 10,000 from the city of Chelsea, plus Malden offering 7,500, a person can walk in with 3% down and actually at the end, get all their money back to buy in Chelsea right now. Are those loans or those grant programs? Those are grant programs. Grants. Okay. So they're soft seconds. If you live in one of the communities, they're forgivable after so long. If you don't, they're not, they're alone. But that's where I will speak to uh, Ricardo Brazil at Bank of America, who's offering 17.5 cash with no payback. Roger Brazil at Leader Bank, up to 50,000 mass housing. That fund has $5 billion in it. I bet that fund dries out by end of January. People are going to crush that. The first time home buyer program, the last time the market got soft, 2006 to 2008, the government was giving an $8,000 incentive for people to buy. Like incentive. Does it have to be used for the acquisition price or can it be used for something like buying down the rate, which a lot of people have said is a good strategy uh, to it, make it more affordable? It could be used for upfront PMI, buying down the rate, closing costs, advanced escrows. So it can be combined to do it all. So that is going to keep Chelsea moving forward right now because of the I can get $67,500 for someone to buy our development. If I can't do that- That's a lot of money. Isn't it? Yeah. So I feel, how, yeah, go ahead, Mark. No, after you. I was going to say, how, how have you seen the market shifting as interest rates have gone up? So the market shifting right now, serious buyers are out. People who got disgruntled just got turned off and rented. But you're looking at buildings like One North, the Pioneer, all these rental buildings. Vero, which is a new 780, develop, 80, 780 unit development. They're charging 25 and 26 for one bedrooms, 3,000, 3,200 for two bedrooms. It's now less expensive to own with the tax deduction to buy with these benefits than it is to rent. And that always not been the case. So resale condos are at 375 to 400 a foot in Chelsea, but you're getting $150 to 200 more a foot for brand new construction. The thing about it is old construction got too high compared to new construction. You have an old building with high condo fees, yet I'm selling lofts at 60 Dudley Spencer lofts for 550,000 for one beds, but a new, new construction building in Chelsea is 600 right next door. That's like used car market getting too hot compared to new. So you're saying that the resale market versus the new construction market is getting affected much greater? Crushed. Crushed. The resale market will get crushed and the new construction will continue to climb. Everybody wants new construction. There's a one-year builder's warranty. There's incentives. Why would you buy something for every 100, 
For every 100,000 a person borrows right now, it's 6% on a 30-year fixed. It's six to $700 a month for that difference. So for 10,000 a year, are you gonna buy something that's dilapidated for 500,000 or go to 600,000 and get a brand new place, especially with incentives? So penny wise, pound foolish. That is our uh, house cleaning, giving us the signal that- uh, (laughs) It's time to go. Yeah, I guess so. No, that's interesting. But I mean, how sustainable though, how much higher can even the new construction market in Chelsea or everywhere? Just in general, because uh, you're already seeing it affect other parts of the country. Boston is the strongest economy, as we know, in the country. Miami's getting wiped out right now. California gets wildflowers. New York's too expensive. So Boston is the sort of, we're lucky. We have the schools. We have the, we have the taxes. We have the, the benefits. We have the airport. We have the, you name it, we have it, the hospitals. So Boston is going to be insulated. But the last crash, Cambridge, Somerville, downtown didn't suffer 2% if they're lucky. You can't even still get a house. Inventories are still low. So people are going to look for value. I would say that we're going to get all brokers' eyes on this property in Chelsea. I'm here to tell the brokerage community to come and see Chelsea for themselves. They do not put their clients in MLS. They don't come and show Chelsea. They go to Eastie because it's an easy sale and they know it just like they wouldn't come 10 years ago. Look at Revere. Booming. Absolutely. 133 Salem. Mike is building 72 units. Peter Vanko design. Those are the, it's the first condo project that Revere's had in seven years. Right now, the beach is getting another high rise that they put on the MLS. Someone bought a proof project. So areas like Revere, Chelsea, and Everett have room to grow to catch up to the Charlestown, Cambridge, Somerville's right next door. Is it the MLS or is it on MLS? And similarly, is, is it, it a Facebook? Or? Are you going to ISD or do you go to the ISD? I say MLS and ISD, not the MLS and not the MLS. Uh, you know, Mike, like what's the, your take on this? Facebook. I don't know. It's that's a controversial a, a topic. topic. I usually just say ISD and Facebook <laughs> or MLS. What's your What's your take on uh, interest rates though? What's the story you're telling yourself to sleep at night? I think on interest rates, with the elections coming up in two years, I think we're going to start to see a drop off. Not immediately, mm-hmm. but I think- how much higher do they have? This whole go? notion that Powell is doing Biden's bidding and uh, he's not going to allow 2024 to blow up. I think so. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. I think you have to create guys a crisis so you can solve it. Yeah. But these guys are true believers at the Fed. I, I just don't think they're political hacks. I could be naive here, but I think that they really take their uh, PhD in economics seriously and they look at uh, their legacy and they might be okay with giving the economy some tough medicine. Well, I think it's just the housing prices are high, right? Buyers it's very have less purchasing power. Raising interest rates makes it less affordable. So you're going to have to battle that with, will the market settle itself out and prices come down so you can win that affordability price, that affordability argument. But then you're, you know, where does it net out, right? What do you, the price is going to drop 50%. Ricky made a good argument the other day. He was suggesting on LinkedIn that, um, you know, people aren't going to be able to move because that, you know, so that will cause even lower supply of of new houses um and so if you have something coming on right you're not going to trade your three percent property yeah. for a six or seven percent property it makes no. no sense there's not going to you're not going to be seeing any of those like upgraders like you're like that like all right i'm buying this for 
uh, like a three to five years. And then once I have kids or whatever, and it's time to move out, I'll sell my unit that has appreciated a couple hundred thousand dollars and roll that into my single family house in the burbs. Like you're not going to see that. But the people who were shopping at 3% who are now paying five and a half percent, the difference on a $700,000 condo is a lot, is a meaningful amount per month. Yeah. I think the areas of the country, that's why you're seeing it them hit the hardest is the areas that have the most inventory or are yeah. building the most. Mm-hmm. I think the Northeast is to your point, Jeff, like it's, we're insulated because we cause our own issues from a <laughs> supply and demand problem, right? We have such tough zoning policies and restrictions here in the Northeast that we kind of artificially keep our supply low. And it's almost a blessing when it comes to these types of issues in the economy because you're kind of propping the housing market up because of that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a supply and it's it is a, it is a supply and demand issue. So mm-hmm. because the supply is so low, we're in a unique situation where, yeah, yeah interest rates continue to rise, but how long is that going to go yeah. on for uh, with the with the low supply? Yeah, I also like the argument that people need to park their money somewhere. And people are still doing well, and there's a lot of cash out there. And, um, you know, it's a pretty robust segment of the country. And if, you know, you're going to put it under your mattress, putting it in Boston is a pretty safe spot. Well, the question really remains do you want to spend 600000 for a one bedroom in Charlestown, probably with no parking, not new, or go right next door, a quarter mile over a bridge to 550 to 750 for a two bed, two bath, a roof deck, media room, elevators? What were you going to do when it comes time? I would say, the value is Chelsea all day long. And so the brokerage community, again, needs to see what that is for their clients. Chef loves Chelsea. <laughs> uh, like, Chef, you want to go out for pizza tonight? He'd be like, well, let me tell you about Chelsea. Child pizza. <laughs> Do you yeah. leave Chelsea? Is this, is this the first time you've left Chelsea? I like, don't. You know what? I didn't leave it for about a 15-year period, I swear. <laughs> I did barely. But now I, I do leave Chelsea. What was yeah, your hot spot in Chelsea? Where'd you always go out? That, what, that, Cielo? Yeah. Dance yeah. club? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm famous over there. Oh wow, I'm the only Gordo Gringo Americano that uh, goes to these Latin nightclubs. Like I don't I have no fear. I don't even speak Spanish. You think I would? I know. I just can't learn a language. Mike, what attracted you to Chelsea? Just opportunity and location. I actually bought my first property in Chelsea back in 2005, and wow. I lived there for I think it was two years, and then the bubble hit and. The uh, property values went down in 2008, and I was like, "Oh, geez, what am I doing?" Yeah. I bought a property for 500,000, and it was worth 350,000, but it was cash flowing. So, just weathered the storm, and then uh, when things bounced back, you know, we started to get aggressive in buying and mm. refinancing, and nice. grew from there. So we kind of caught it on the upswing, but we did have to wait out the storm a little bit initially. Are you raising capital for these larger projects, or is it all in house? Uh, we raise capital. Okay. So we have uh, kind of our core group of investors that we use on most projects. And then we sometimes go outside of that core group and uh, source from other other places. Do so, you have any interest in syndication? We do some syndication, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Do you mostly, anything out of state? Uh, not so much. Not so much out of state. It's mostly local. We do have a few investors out of state, but most most investors are local. Mm. How did you get started? I mean, I think we skipped that part, but like, tell us about the first couple of years. What was first couple of years were, like I said, a struggle. The first property that that I bought, like I said, was a four family 
and uh, bought it on an FHA loan, three and a half percent down. I think the interest rates were close to where they are today, five and a half, six percent. Fought through it for two or three years, waited till the property value appreciated, and um, refinanced, bought another property. And it was slow. I mean, it didn't all happen fast to get to 200 units where we are today. It, it was all the 15 right. years. All what was that inflection point like where you said all of a sudden, oh man, the cash flow, no worries. It's good. Like, I don't have to worry about if there's a small downturn in rentals, even. Because again, to your point about the property price, you don't have to worry about the value of the asset unless you're looking to sell it, similar to like a stock. Or refi. If, or, or refinance. Yeah. You know, similar to a stock, you invest, and if it's paying a dividend, you get that dividend. As long as that doesn't change, stock could go to one dollar. It doesn't matter, and then it can go up to a hundred. Who knows? Same thing with with um, real estate. The the rent is the dividend. Yeah, I think it was at like maybe fifty units. Fifty units. So about fifty units. We started. We we hired like a maintenance supervisor, mm -hmm. but that was the point where, in my mind, that I knew that we were going to continue to grow the business and start putting in more pieces of the puzzle, I guess, as far as maintenance technicians and growing the property management piece of the business, which was a key piece um, as you scale. Property management is tricky at a small small unit count. Yeah. Did you self-perform that for a while and then eventually you brought on this maintenance person or was there a property management company that you had worked with after you got to like 20 units or some number? It was actually the, uh, the maintenance supervisor that was with the building prior to me taking ownership. We had a relationship and he stayed with me for, I think it was the better part of like four or five years at the start. And then um, since then, now we have a full property management team, 15 employees, subcontractors, you know, full-time employees, maintenance technicians that we use to manage our properties. That's great. So you always self-managed and in-house whether it was yourself or, or someone else. But yeah, then the, the first kind of employee was at 50 units. That's correct. And part of the reason we do that is for to manage the asset for our investors. Once you start syndicating for equity, I mean, the returns are important. I mean, the returns to investors are very important. Uh, mm -hmm. The reports are looked at and there's a lot more scrutiny. So it's important that you have an in internal property management team to make sure that what you've promised to return to your investors is actually fulfilled. Talk about section eight rentals. I think some landlords or potential investors may be scared off at the notion of buying a small property that uh, is likely to be section eight and be a section eight landlord if there's such a thing. What's your experience been? Well, I think section eight's a double-edged sword. Um, mm -hmm. For I think for smaller you know, three, four unit properties. I think mm -hmm. it's great to have a section eight tenant. Mm -hmm. We keep our portfolio between 20 and 40% section eight. We like that range. The lenders are comfortable at that range. And just for our listeners, what benefit, what's section eight? So section eight is a subsidized rent typically paid by a housing agency. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the most common Boston housing agency, Metro, you know, Metro housing. We have Cambridge housing, Chelsea housing, of course. But basically what it does is it subsidizes the rent based on the tenant's income. Mm -hmm. So if they're on a fixed income, the subsidized rent will be fixed. Mm -hmm. If their income increases, the subsidy would decrease. And that's great because a large portion of the rent is pretty guaranteed. That's that correct. In your experience? Yeah. So it's guaranteed. And a lot of the times we see people stay on Section 8 indefinitely. 
So like I said before, I've yet to see in 20 years, someone come uh, to me and say, hey, now's the time I'm going to uh, turn my voucher in and uh, thank you, Boston Housing. Thank you, Metro. We'd like to uh, pay the full rent, but yeah. I'm waiting for that day. Yeah. No checks and balances in the system, unfortunately. Huh. So, I assume it's a similar story with rent control you know, markets. Rent stabilization, Mark. Let's, let's be clear here. There's no control. It's just stabilizing. Yeah. That's a whole other topic. Anyway, did you did you mean anything else in res- with respect to that question like just the 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 operations, the day-to-day, any difference in yeah. how it all goes cuz again, like you said, there's a lot of I mean, stigmas out there, yeah. right? But I, you know, we have section 8 rentals as well and I think the stigmas are Maybe it's we'll maybe it's very location-based, but I don't think it's- I mean, there's really an inspection bad. every year, right? Like your handrails have to be tight. You have to ensure there isn't rodent activity. I mean, there's yeah. a number of things that they're looking for. But as long as you're not a slumlord, I should assume that these aren't difficult inspections to pass. I think yeah. it also depends on who the inspector is, right? Does, like we just, we just had an inspection on one of our buildings <clears throat> and they were pointing out some pretty- Non-issues. Weird things like rear staircases, like- pulling away and like we need like an engineer report yeah, like a structural engineer going out friday to tell us that the staircase is fine wow yeah and if you need a notary public i might i might have to have it you know double stamp <laughs> but it, it 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 depends anyway yeah. it's a good program it helps a lot of people very similar to how the ami helps those requirements help folks afford housing so one interesting thing that we didn't realize when we were getting into section eight was that we didn't realize that you couldn't have the unit and you can't have the unit inspected right. if you're re-renting it. You can't have the unit inspected unless it's vacant. Have you? Yeah, you're almost all, you're almost yeah. always dealing with a month or two vacancy. That's right. Yeah, but we seem to see the turnover on Section Eight units is much lower typically mm. yeah. than market rate for the aforementioned reason. Correct, Mike. So your background is construction development, and I assume that you are renovating these three, four smaller buildings. And then as you're getting into the bigger stuff, what was the transition like from a construction perspective in, uh, you know, GCing a gut reno of a four family versus building 40 units? Is that something that you're still taking on yourself? You're hiring GCs? So typically right now we're looking at, uh, we'll insource deals that are, let's say 20 units or less. Mm-hmm. That That's the range that once you get over 20 units or 30 units. Insource meaning you, you we, self-perform? We, we self-perform. Broadway Capital would perform could could do a project of that magnitude. Mm-hmm. We actually just completed 25-2nd Street, the Reginal. It's a 20-unit building, four affordable units. Everyone's favorite question, what's your price per square foot that you're building at with, within, within a range? So on the hard construction cost, that project we finished at 200 a square foot, which was unbelievable considering the you know inflation and all the challenges we had going into the project. Was that an adaptive reuse as well? No, it wasn't. That was ground cool. up construction wow. on a, on a um, was it gas gas station? That project uh, we had a very lean crew, and that's that's how we were able to do it at two hundred a square foot. It's really good. It is. It is. When I look back at the numbers, I mean, I was surprised that we were able to. I thought we would end at you know two twenty, maybe two fifty in that range, but at two hundred, it was a success. And if you're coming out of the ground today, where where do you plug into your spreadsheet? I mean, you might be upwards two fifty to three hundred, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the finish level. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's. I was surprised on that on 25 Second Street, the Reginal. Awesome. Uh, and that project actually is 16 out of the 20 units are sold. We're going to retain two of the units as uh, rental units. And then, so we actually have two units available. And those are all pre-sold prior to um, 
occupancy permit being issued, which Great. was only last week. Very nice. So, yeah. So we're this week, I think we have eight closings. It's nice to line them up like that. Yeah. yeah. So like getting, geez, getting the CO is the nail biter uh, of the process at that point. Absolutely. you have a lot of things on the line for yourself. Well, a lot of rate buyers too. and rate yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of pressure, especially right now. Right now, yep. for sure. Hey, I meant to ask, I saw on your website, uh, can you tell us about your um, Lovejoy Wharf and uh, Hudson Yards notations there? Were you building those? No, that was actually my brother. He was with Related at the time. And he worked on both of those projects. That's related cool. So he has a significant construction experience. I was going to ask, what's your kind of background? Did you go to school for construction management or how did you kind of, your brother, obviously, like you said, is kind of in the, in the business. Or how- yeah. Yeah. He went to Wentworth and his background was in construction. Mine's actually in chemical engineering. So I worked a little bit as a chemical engineer after I got out of school and then I moved into the energy field. Then I went back to graduate school and got a, a master's in business. And uh, I worked in industry, in the energy industry for 10 years before I left five years ago to do real estate full-time. So it got to uh, a point where real estate became my full-time job, which yeah. it is now. Makes sense. Yep. Similar path to us, I guess. What do you think about all the electrification and, and the push away from the fossil fuels and how that might impact just... The grid and future development. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a balance. Um, you know, we can't go all renewable. It has to be a mix between the two. I don't know if renewable energy is there yet to go, you know, 100% renewable. I think it'll be a gradual shift or it should be more of a gradual shift. So, you know, I guess only time will tell. Yeah. Place. Some municipalities are being pretty aggressive. Uh, well, Boston wants to do away with it. I think Brookline's already done away with it. I mean, yeah. it's just kind of like they're flipping the switch. So um, I was going to say. Yeah, we do all electric in our unit. So we don't bring gas into uh, any of our developments. It's all electric. Electric. Heat pump stuff. All heat pumps, all Mitsubishi hyperheats and and such. Nice. Take physical chemistry in college. PCAM? Yeah, that that's just <laughs> like, I, oh God. But it wasn't as bad as OCHEM. OCHEM Organic the chemistry, yeah. were tough. Damn. That wasn't okay. my favorite. Does that help? Not, with, not my cup. Of does that help with anything on the job Ooh. site, like concrete admixtures or something? Like, where does that apply? Right? None of it. Yeah, none, none, of it. none at all. <laughs> Zero. Even a construction management degree hardly helps on the job site. I hate to say it. I, I, I mean, so many people have been saying that just college is. I don't want to say overrated, but you. So, how, what percentage is learned on the job? Right. Ninety percent. I like to say it gives. Uh, Unless gives, you're a doctor, maybe. Maybe or? it gives you a filing cabinet to take new information and process it more quickly. But that's <laughs> what I've been asking on the streets to random people. Yeah, that's right, Dan's Dan <laughs> on the street. Dan yeah. on the street. Dan Luke's right. on the street. Um, Dan, why don't you close this out? Yeah. Well, one the last question I had was uh, on you know you mentioned you raise capital, right? So mm-hmm. what returns are you typically offering your investors on certain projects? So on on buy and hold projects. We typically do like an eight percent pref rate, and then a no equity, no, just just straight debt, no equity or no no. We'll typically raise so on on the equity debt split, we'll typically do roughly twenty five percent of the acquisition price will be on equity. Sometimes okay. it'll be upwards of thirty or thirty five percent, and the remainder will be debt. And then out of that equity, you'll have a you know a stake in the you know general partners and the limited partners, and that's usually a. 25, 75 split, 25 to the GP, 75. These are just ballpark numbers. Yeah. And then for the LPs, we'll offer an 8% prep rate. 
and then it kind of goes into a um, a different equity split once that pref rate is met in the, like the waterfall. Yeah, a waterfall structure. Once the pref rate is met and the uh, investor has their equity back. I imagine these guys have done pretty well investing with you, given that they're coming back a uh, sort of a stable pool of investors. That's usually a good indication that they're getting their money back and very happy. Yes. Accurate yes. statement. Yeah. Yes. I think that's important. I mean, the relationships in real estate are key, right? I mean, you're only going to burn an investor once, maybe twice, and that's not going to be an investor for you anymore. So maintaining those relationships, providing accurate pro formas, not you know overpromising, I think those are the key aspects. Sure. You know. Last question here. Uh, do you still skate? I still skate. Yeah. Almost. Not as much as I'd like to. Just had a child, so I haven't. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, it's, congrats! It's third, uh, third child, so it's I haven't skated as much as I'd like to skate. But this winter, hopefully, I'll get out with Steve and the guys and get on the ice. Nice, nice. Jeff. Speak. Speak. Oh, we're not gonna go yet because I got to add the last. Go. I, I, the I last was gonna word. give it to you. I was gonna go. Thanks. All right. Uh, Floor is yours. Take us out, Mike. I believe so much in Mike that I put seventy-five percent of the cash that I have on hand in the church project that I'm selling, which is skin in the game. That's how much I believe in him. So, and I also introduced him to the main investor on the property who we all know well, who supports this broadcast, David Grossman. He said, thank you for introducing me to Mike. This is exactly who we want to work with, but we're going to turn down the 932 project at the last minute because we don't feel like they're there yet. The last minute, our sponsor, our friend, we love him. Pull. You can you can edit this and delete it. Let's time out. To. Yeah. <laughs> but, sorry. But, but, to be fair, that's yeah. gonna get cut. But yeah. fine. Well, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> We're gonna pass it back to you for the last word All right. again. All yeah. right. But, last word. I believe it. Right. Hold time on. Out. Let me tell a funny yeah. story about David while we're all on. All right. Yeah, please. All right. Yeah. Let me, let me give a quick plug plug for our sponsor, and it'll be a little more natural right. for you to go into the story. We already have the plug. I put it in. I haven't put it in. Yeah, but this will be another yeah, this, quick one oh, on the way out. All right. Sorry. Make uh, sure you hashtag real estate addicts, you yeah. know, and uh, referral codes, one, two, three, uh, REA. This will be real quick. All right, guys, we're getting close to the end here, but just wanted to quickly acknowledge our sponsor and uh, friend, Dave Grossman from the Grossman Companies. Mutual friend of all of ours, correct? Absolutely. We yeah. love David. David, we love you. Yeah, I got a funny story about David. We, we're, I won't get into too much of the specifics, but we were negotiating a deal and David was like, oh, I'm going on vacation. And I was like, oh, me too. That's strange. You know? So we didn't really talk much about it. I said, we'll catch up after in a week or two. So I'm down at uh, a resort down in Turks and Caicos beaches and I'm sitting, I'm having breakfast with uh, my family. And uh, I look over and sure enough, there's David. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I go over and he meets my wife and he's there with his children. And it was completely coincidental. We had just spoken less than three days ago. And there he is at the same, uh, at the same so you, place. Did you hash out the deal then? We yeah. didn't really get into specifics <laughs> on the deal. Yeah. I think it was more about, hey. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Have you been funny. to this place before? <laughs> and it was just completely coincidental. We bumped into him at, uh, at, at Turks and Caicos, the beach. That's cool, resort. man. That's cool. <laughs> well, Jeff, we'll let you take us out here. There you go. Thank you. Go for it. On Floor that, is yours. On that note. Go to 163chestnut.com. Brokers, help sell my 30-unit investment because if you don't, I'm destitute and I might have to be a prostitute and nobody <laughs> wants that. So come see the property, show it, go to the website, chelsearealestate.com. I love Chelsea. You should too. Love it. All right. 
Thank you guys. Listening, right. subscribing, rating. Let's catch you on the next one. What about one. Steve, no? Cheers. Thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs>